So now we're joined by Dan Martineau, one of my favorite Pinnacle people, uh, and not just because of his uh, recruiting cred. He's sort of a legend at the Dunhill franchise. He won the Millie Michaels Award, which is sort of a Lifetime Achievement Award at Dunhill, and, and has been on his own for a long time and, and done extremely well. But uh, I, I asked Dan to submit his uh, reading list because uh, I respect how he thinks and and how he goes about uh, what he does. And and so, Dan, thanks for joining. I'm looking at your, your reading list. And the first one that you sent me you. Uh, just made mm-hmm. me laugh because uh, David Brooks makes me crazy. For those of you who don't know, David Brooks <laughs> is a New York Times uh, columnist. He's sort of supposed to be their, their, uh, their Republican uh, uh, columnist so that they have some fair and balanced uh, approach to it. <laughs> And sometimes he writes these wonderful columns, and sometimes I want to drive to New York and strangle him. Um, but you you put down on your list his book, uh, The Road to Character. Yep. So tell me a little bit about that book. Um, okay. So, and, and your assessment of David is pretty accurate. Um, I think <laughs> I probably like him a little bit more than you do. But right. up front, I need to say this. This could come off as a little preachy. Um, and, you know, what he's talking about here in the context, uh, I am an extremely flawed human being. Anyone that knows me knows that. But that's one of the reasons why this book appealed to me so much. So the core premise of this is kind of, you know, that we've moved away over the course of the last hundred years or so, have moved away from building character to building careers, right? So character, as he defines it, is like who or what we're about, right? And careers are what we've accomplished and how we've distinguished ourselves beyond or above others. He brings mm-hmm. it down into two categories, resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And resume virtues are, you know, those skills that we build to attain external success, career success. Eulogy virtues are those deeper, some might argue more meaningful things that people talk about at your funeral, right? Your core being, right. you were kind, brave, faithful, honest, trustworthy. It's your Boy Scout stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the core of the book. To illustrate that, though, he introduces a very interesting way of looking at it, a book written, I guess, in 1965 by a rabbi, and the book was called The Lonely Man of Faith, who basically argues there's two accounts of creation in the Bible, of Genesis, I guess, um, that represent opposing sides of ourselves. It's called Adam 1 and Adam 2. Now, Adam 1 is basically the guy who's on the mission to conquer the world, right? These are the resume virtues. He's about bigger, better, badder. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam, too, is on a mission to serve the world, not just, not just do good, but be good. And what he's saying is, is that we, modern man, live in the contradiction or the chasm between the two Adams, where Adam, one, believes that input equals output and effort equals reward. Simply, it's the ethos that you and I and everybody in this business as recruiters work under. Adam, one, is our closer, right? He's the guy. Right that seeks to dominate and be number one in our office or niche of the world. And he's the one that tends to talk about their billings and brag. And well, we all know that guy and that guy lives inside us or that woman, however you want to put it, we'll put it Eve one and two. Um, Adam two though, believes the inverse is true. That you must give first to receive. You must surrender to something outside of yourself, bigger than yourself to find strength within yourself. And ultimately, failures within ourselves is what leads to the success um, of humility and humility is what leads to wisdom right because once we admit that we don't know right then we seek to understand and that's I think that's what really intrigued me so I'm I'm a big believer in character 
and yeah. you know, have, have at certain points in my life have strived to be better. I'm not sure I'm at that. I may be at the nadir of that right now, which is why I sought this book out when I saw him speak yeah. about it on Meet the Press. But that's that's there. There's a lot of detail around it, but that's the core of it. You know, it's so funny you're talking about that because um, I was amazed the other day to see Jimmy Carter on TV, who's like 92 and still incredibly lucid yes. and cogent, and and, mm-hmm. and 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 I think he's a great example of what you're talking about, um, and maybe what Brooks is is getting at because. I'm looking at him and going, oh, no question. I, I don't think anybody, mm-hmm. no matter what your side of the aisle would argue, that's probably the finest human being who ever was in the White House from just like a pure character perspective. Like, this is a good guy. I mean, he didn't try to make right. a ton of money when he left the presidency. He did Habit for Humanity. You know, he's trying yep. to negotiate peace treaties with people. And this guy has lived an amazing life and nobody would question mm-hmm. his humility or his character. And at the same time, Somebody asked me who's one of the worst presidents of my lifetime. I'd say, well, Jimmy Carter, um, <laughs> right? And, and there yeah. it is. And he's sort yeah. of dismissed, right? Um, and we're in an mm-hmm. age of, of of there's not much humility out there. But it's so funny when I first saw the Road to Character. You know, I think about character, and I think, well, how do I define that? You're right. When you're a recruiter, you're so used to achievements, accomplishments, and what can I tell the client that you did? And how often right. have I gotten on the phone and submitted a candidate? And said, you know, Mr. Martin, you've got to see Joanne because she's got such great character. I think I'd get laughed off the phone. And yet at the same time, at the end of the day, that old definition, right? Character is what we do when we think no one is looking. Um, Right. And it really is. It's it's what matters. It really is what matters. Well, and I would would absolutely agree with with what you've just said. Um, But on the front end, it's extraordinarily difficult to quantify. Um, character, right? Or to yeah. tell character because it's so tough to quantify. But that is precisely the per that is precisely the thing you get back a year from right. now when they're telling you how amazing that person is. And I absolutely agree about Jimmy Carter. Um, Jimmy Carter is about, I mean, he is that tremendous human being at his core. Lousy president, made bad decisions, <laughs> waffled. Yes, all of that. Right. But he's also the person that, that started Habitat for Humanity. He's the person right. that thinks of others first. He's the person that, you know, when you, if you, at his funeral, people will be on both sides of the aisle weeping and crying and, and, you know, talking about what a tremendous human being he was. I went to a funeral, gosh, this was uh, last summer, for a guy who was a good friend of mine back in college days. We used to hang out, drink beer together. He was a guy that, just a super, super nice guy. He wasn't really committed to like excelling or anything like that. He was into literature and drinking beer. And so we had that in common, Um, but I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I went to this funeral and I showed up about five minutes beforehand and I didn't even get in the building, right? So there, the chapel was full and the overflow Mm. area was full and the hallway was full. And I was left standing outside with the doors open along with 45 other people that I'd never met. Um, whom, you know, I would thought I would have known. And we listened to this eulogy go on and on and one person after another. And they talked about, you know, what a tremendous human being he was. And when you spoke with him, how you always felt that you were the only person in the room and the only person that mattered. And, and that, that he was just one of those people that, that everyone dearly loved. And I thought, that's absolutely right. I've got to change my life. I've got to be more like yeah. that, that person. And then I, right. you know, as I'm driving home, 
in my Mercedes, <laughs> you know, guess what? <clears throat> yeah, I can't be that guy. I can't right. give 20 minutes to some unemployed guy because it's the right thing to do and it'll make him feel better. I've got to get that call down to three minutes, give him some sort of resolution, some concrete positive advice and get the hell off the phone and onto the next call. Right. And right. so, right. you know, that is the, that's where, that's where the tough part comes, the, where the rub is. Our culture and our industry of professional search nurtures Adam one and Adam two. Um, you know, the, you know, Adam one is the people that we want working for us to go getters. But you know, essentially, it is that loss of humility in exchange for accomplishments that often comes at the expense of hubris. Right no now, doubt. I think no the, the top recruiters at Pinnacle. There's there's so much less hubris than I would have imagined almost 20 years ago when I joined. I expected egos out of the room. And there's some of that. You've met them, but for the mm -hmm. most part. Most guys, have, most people there have their egos in check. And I think what Brooks was arguing is that the end results of these accomplishments tend to leave us hungry for more. You know, that, that even after my best years, you know, that, that, that essentially that there was this hole that was filled by material goods and high-end services, which ultimately takes you further and further from honest self-confrontation and character, which is what builds up the moral fiber that allows you to, to come through relatively unscathed when you, well, when you, when you confront your, you know, your personal Watergate, right? Which we all eventually exactly. have. Which eventually and, and I have we to have, agree right? Because, yeah, I mean, I've had my most accounts a very successful career and I've achieved a lot, but every few years, and typically I find even after my best years, my best moments of personal triumph, that I, that I find myself with the same song stuck in my head. And it's Peggy Lee's 1969 classic, Is That All There Is? Is and That All There Is? very melancholy yeah. tune. Very melancholy. Right. But read the lyrics. And the lyrics are so prescient. And they just, it really, it's like, yeah, is this it? Is that all there is to a circus? Is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is to romance? Right. Is that all there is to billing $850,000? And you're like, right. wow, it's not just that. Now, Again, I don't want this to come off the wrong way because this isn't about God. Although for believers, people that do believe, yeah, that's part of it. It is that in the past, we look to institutions, right? We look to ancestors and friends and relatives for all of that. And today, that most of that has failed us because the institutions, think about the institutions. The institutions are the government. Well, oh, my God. All right, so we can go back to, you know, politicians. And you've got Kennedy and his failings and Nixon and all the failings there. And then Clinton and some of those issues. And then we bring ourselves to Mr. Trump and, you know, where right. we end up. Where, and then our religious... But, but, let's, but let's jump on that, though, because your second book was the John Meacham book, the new book that yeah. uh, is out, The Soul of America. And that ties together right. what you're talking about, because it does. You know, we do live in the real world and there is some government. But for the people that get... And look, there's people on this on this uh, podcast who are ardent Trump supporters, and I've said to sure. ATD followers for the last two years, uh, while I'm a Democrat through and through and a bleeding heart liberal, wh whoever's president, I want to be successful because I want a successful of country course. and I'm a patriot. But um, right. for the people on the other side who say, these are the worst of times, um, this is incredible that we're going through this, how could this have happened? What Meacham points out in his book is, you know, we've been here before, mm -hmm. and, and probably the exactly. best example of that is the McCarthyism of the mid-century, yeah. right? So, so right. what, what was yep. the thrust of that? 
What's well, the thrust of the Joe maybe, McCarthy uh, comparison to Trump? Well, because it, that's as close to fascism as we've ever gotten as a people. Right, right, right. Where we allowed some demigod to lead us into, you know, this, this point of almost no return. Um, where we've, we went down this road where we persecuted people of, the, you know, of different faiths and different beliefs right. and different that were, that, weren't, that were, you know, not just communists, but anyone that thought differently than the order. And, and so what he's arguing there, as he does with, hey, um, you know, what was his, Huey, uh, the governor of, of the Louisiana, um, gosh, his name escapes me, but basically that and so many other examples that we have been through this before, we have been through race, you know, racism um, and come through it. We have been through where we have blamed immigrants. There's this Chinese Exclusion Act that was written to exclude China, you know, people from China coming over, period, end of report. Right. It wasn't just limiting right. numbers. You know, we have, after World War I, the amount of racism that existed and, you know, that, that we didn't, you know, we had this backlash against immigrants. So all the things that are happening now, you know, the core, if you were to distill it is, hey, we have been here before people and the goodness of what we, of who we were, our moral character and our moral fiber is what allowed us to move through that, to understand, you know, at that, that critical tipping point, we would not go into that darkness, but we would go the other way. And see, that's what, that's what I think, that's the nexus of these two books, right? That's where it comes together and it says, look, we've been able to do that because, and I think where that, that, that reinforces the point of what he's saying is like, look, Brooke says, you know, we, we, when you build, when you confront these issues, you build this moral muscle, this moral fiber, and it allows you to, to do that. And I think the, if, if, we, if we continue to be out of balance, which is another contention of his book, he's not saying we need to go back to, you know, Victorian England and, you know, society right, where right. it's all about this moral ethos, but where we have the, the moral um, and then, the, you know, the character uh, and the resume virtues more in line and in balance. And that will allow us to come through once again. And I do think, yeah, we are at a very bad point in, in, you know, with what's going on in the country in general. And I, I believe, though, there is an inflection point, um, and it's maybe November, <laughs> where a message will be sent, <laughs> hopefully, that we've, we have gone too far and we're going to come back the other way. Um, I, I think that I believe in America. I believe in America, the, the idea of America and the reality of America. And I think that we're headed back that other way. But I, I, you're absolutely right. I didn't choose these two books, you know, to read because of me thinking about it. Um, in many right. ways, I think maybe they chose me because what I'm thinking about. And then I heard about the book and I went, yes, I got to read that. I have to understand that. And, and, it, and it gives so much more hope. And so it's a hopeful book, but it does identify, you know, where it talks about, you know, some of the people that, it, that, you know, the portraits of Lincoln and Grant and Roosevelt and, you know, more recently Martin Luther King and, and Rosa Parks and John Lewis and Eleanor Roosevelt and all these people that have. And if you think about what did they all have, they all have that character, right? They all, sure. They're all people that we look up to and that we enshrine. And it's not because of what they accomplished. They accomplished, I would argue, um, you know, they accomplished these great things because of who they were. And I think that's the final thing I would tie back into our industry is I think there's two ways to go about it, right? You can be, 
the Adam One guy. You can be build your business based on transactions and just place as many people as you can as fast as you can, right? And I think that you can build a lot of money, but I think you do it in the short term and I think you do it at risk of the long term. Or you can build it over time by not being about closing that deal, but making sure that that's the right deal, the right deal for the candidate, the right candidate for the company. And by doing that, that you build a business based on your reputation. And it's a business that lasts. It's a business that is about repeat business. So it is more repeatable and sustainable. So I think, again, it, it's easy for people to read this book as a recruiter and say, this is BS, man. I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta be about right. my numbers, right? I gotta do that. No, I, I, I have, I think the one thing that I will be most proud of um, is that I have built a business that allows me and every of my placements allow me to look myself in the mirror and to, to, to feel proud of what my kids see in me, um, you know, both when they were small and now that they're larger, when they hear me on the phone, putting deals together, when they hear me on the phone and my client is telling me, or my client candidate is telling me how amazing the approach that we've taken and how honest and the integrity and those things mean as much as money. And yeah, I probably made a little bit less than I could have, but I feel better about every dollar that I've made because of it. So, that's yeah, it. and I think that's a great message to recruiters that there's that the two things that you've you said are in the book, the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues, are not mutually exclusive career. No, and that's hard to remember when you're when you're a super young aggressive recruiter. Although I'm not concerned about it because when I die, I'm going to hire temps to come to my funeral and cry, and um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing funeral. Hey, you can just outsource that to China. They have an enormous industry in it, so you're good to go. <laughs> awesome. I, I really right. appreciate your time. I know you're trying to catch a plane. Thank you so much. I got to go. Hey, thanks, and right, uh, I really care. appreciate the honor. Take care.